my man. Hello, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And welcome to the Lack of Focus podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lack of Focus. I'll be your host this evening. So Chris is hosting for tonight. Yay! I'm joined by Ed. How Hi, are everyone. you today? I'm Good? fantastic. Great. And we're also joined by Sean. Hi, Sean. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah. Got a bit of a cough still, you know, a bit yeah. under the weather, but not enough to get in the way of a, another awesome Lack of Focus recording, you know. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm doing good. A bit tired, but you know, it's what happens with a five week old. It yep. get gets easier, you know, in another eighteen years. It'll be um a it whole lot of different easy. stresses. It gets e- it, well, there's a whole different there there are phases of stresses. It just <laughs> it, it it doesn't stop there. You just transition from one stress room to another stress room to another stress room. It goes the whole way through. Yeah, I'm I'm fully aware. If not prepared. Yeah, the key is is you just, you know, you go through the phases, they're babies, and then then they have just crap tons of energy and then they know everything, you know. And then yeah. from there, then from there they're actually sort of intellectual beings and you know. And they tell you how much of a shitty parent you are and Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I get that from the fact that Ailis Ailis was saying off off camera earlier. Uh, I get the uh, the guilt of being a terrible parent because my like baby's ill. You know what are you gonna do? Nah, you can't protect them from that forever. It helps build their immune yeah. system. Do you remember those kinds of things? <laughs> Go outside and eat uh, touch grass. It'd be okay. Yep, exactly. Uh, legitimately though, it will reach a point. That for me, in my mind, the, the sweet spot is when they are self sufficient. It's when you can walk out of a room and you're not afraid they're gonna die um that they are oh see i disagree i <laughs> like the fact that i can put a down now and she can't even roll over i can put a down on the changing table reach for something without being worried that she's gonna fall off like she can't walk to get some, some knives out of the drawers right. <laughs> yeah she, yeah, I yeah. Put, put i put her somewhere and she's gonna be there when i get back you know there you know? is that for me like Oops. i said for the those, idea are the, that, those are the moments, Chris. Those are the moments. I just like yeah. the idea that I can walk into the bathroom and take a comfortable shit and come back in four minutes and that they're not going to be dead. The house isn't on fire. They haven't called 911. Like that kind of thing, you know? Uh, just for the love of God, I need five minutes apiece. Uh, if it isn't Poppy trying to get in because she just wants to be around people all the time because she's going to die soon, um, the well, dog's getting old. What are you going to the dog's getting old. What are you going to do? Like she, we had her before I moved to Canada, so like wow, she's wow. like eleven or twelve now. She wow. flew from the UK. Um, she's over there on the bed now with her incontinent bladder. Going to pee on my bed. <laughs> well, it'll be all right. But like between her wanting to come in, Evie wanting to like either come in the bathroom while you're I'm on the toilet, or wanting to show me the giant shits that she's done, you know. <laughs> One of the others. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah, Man, it's, it, all, it's, it's all good. It has been a long time for me and for me to have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, <laughs> I, I'm out of that phase, thankfully. They're all fairly I mean, self-sufficient at this juncture. I, I will always remind her when she's older of the time that she wanted to show, show me how proud she was for a giant shit and that she didn't know that the kid would be that big. Oh, 
Uh, Please yeah, remember, they, uh, remember that on our wedding day. So when you've had a few in, yeah. you've had a few in, you can, that can be part of your, I can't believe I'm giving my baby away day speech. Uh, I, I've pocketed a handful of those myself. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the, the main topic today is going to be uh, starting playing a new game. Uh, how do you, how do you pick a game? How do you start a game? You know, all of the, it's a pretty broad topic, but. Uh, I personally, obviously you guys have been listening along in theory, so I, I've learned Warcry recently. I've jumped into 40k. I've been playing that a little bit. I've been playing Star Wars Legion. Um, so all of these like, games that I've I've been aware of or have played previously, but we've had new editions. And like the, the process I go through starting them, and uh, there's a bunch of different topics around that. I thought that could be an interesting one for a main topic. But before we get into all of that, we have our usual stuff of, you know, uh, I still call it a flight deck, you know. We should just call it our gaming blathering for the, you know, two weeks. Yeah, like, what you have know. we been up to? So, uh, Sean, have you managed to get anything on the table, play any games on the computer? Well, anything? Luck- luckily, uh, so... Two weeks ago, this weekend, um, we had a local con. It's called New Con. It's the biggest, like, local pr- privately run or whatever you want to call it. Uh, board game convention, you know, gets, you know, I don't know how many people, maybe a thousand over the weekend and stuff. And But I got to go to that, and I actually got a hotel room so that um, I didn't. It's literally six minutes from my house, and I get a hotel room. So. Um, but for me, that's good because, you know, you can stay late, play late, go to bed, get up early, get back into gaming and stuff like that. So um, it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I played, I don't remember all the names of the games. I could look it up, but I don't remember all the, the game names. But uh, I got to play a lot of different games, like a lot of variable, variably different games. So um some of the games I played that I played before were Captain Sonar, and Ooh. which is a fun. We ended up playing it. I think we were doing three player. Yeah, we were doing three player. So I was the engineer and the one and like the systems officer. So I did both those together, um, which was really fun. We played two games of that, and our team won both of those. But we had our system down pretty well, and. I think part of it too was because I'd played before, I understand how the game plays and how the game is designed so that when you surface, it allows you to reset and do all this other stuff. And, and, or you could take damage. So you could take your, you know, basically fill in a box. If you've never played it, it's kind of hard to explain, but when you're the engineer, you're basically marking stuff off in boxes, depending upon direction you're traveling. And as you mark stuff off, the anytime you damage that system, that system's no longer usable. And so what I did was I, w- I wouldn't use the surface ability. I would use the ability to take damage to erase everything off of that board and then start it up again so that you don't give away your position, you know. Um it's just, you know, different strategies, but it, it was fun. We had a great time. Looking at um, pictures online, it looks like it's a big game, like designed for a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. It's a, yeah, it's a really good game. Games, uh, 
like sorry, Sean, one of the few games I've played, which is just like stress inducing. Like mm-hmm. people, I've had people not want to play again after trying it because it's too stressful and like work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's a live game, so everything you do is live. So you have two teams going against each other, and you're basically playing Battleship in a much more, uh, how would you put it, a broader scope game than just Elaborate. Yeah, and and it's all live. So you have a captain that's calling out directions. You have a navigator that's charting and trying to figure out where the. So you have, you literally have. A captain who's like a navigator who's plotting your course. You you have a weapon systems officer who's trying to, or the sonar operator who's trying to plot the opponent's course. You have a systems operator that allows you to use different systems. Like every move you make, you fill in a box. Once the boxes are full, you can then use the systems like shoot torpedoes, radar, sonar, things like that. And then you have an engineer that's trying to fix everything, trying to keep the ship running, basically, so that you can use all the systems. So it's best with eight players. It's playable with six. Um, but Chris is right. It's like it's a real time game, you know, and then you, it's good to have a moderator, too. If you can get a ninth person, it's even better because they can moderate the stoppage of plays and things like that that happen within the game. Like when you're using sonar, shooting torpedoes, all of those types of things create stoppages. And so it's really, really a good game. But like Chris said, it's one of those games that can be off-putting. It is, it's like working. You you will sweat when you're playing it. If you're, if you're playing with people who care, you know, like, like aren't there just to have fun, you know, but those ones that have to win the game, that's kind of tough when you get into those, those modes with it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I played that, and a game that's similar to that to me is if you've ever played Damage Report. Damage Report is a real-time game. So you're on a spaceship, and you're trying to fix different things on the spaceship, and I can't remember the whole thing. I haven't played in a while, but it's real-time. You're playing with uh, sand, sand little you know movement hourglass things you know that give you X amount of minutes. You can go into areas that don't have oxygen, you know, things. Like, so, so there's a lot of, lot of things that you're going up against, but it's a bunch of people standing around a table playing a live game. That's always active and you're playing against time. And it's, it's a really fun game to play. If you have people that can handle that type of game, if you have people that can't, it, it can be really difficult to play a game like that. So, you know, it's more for the serious gamers, I think. I'm in a much more of a party game too, when you're looking at needing a lot of people to play. Sure, sure, of course. Um, other games I played, I played Dead of Winter, um, which I've always wanted to pick. It's a great game. Um, we played with four people, and I I got the trader card, so I had. And Dead of Winter is a weird game too because you have a, a win condition and you can still lose. So you can meet the main game or main scenario win condition, but as a player, you can still lose because you have objectives that you have to meet individually. So, and if you don't meet the objective, you, your personal objective, you actually lose. You can win the scenario, but basically lose the game. It's a cooperative game that has a trader mechanic in it. And it's, it's a fun game to play. Once again, it can be pretty intense because there's, 
you know. And to be clear, it's a zombie game, so it's definitely in my genre. Really, is. yes, yeah. But it's one of those games where it's it's high stakes, and you know, you're up against a clock, the turns that play, and things like that. And then, of course, all the cards that just throw throw things at you is is pretty brutal too. Um, you know, and I I don't want to go deeply into it just because it's you know. You really have to play it to experience it and understand it um, and the intensity of it. So I played that. Um, I got to play Return to Dark Tower, which was a Kickstarter by Restoration Games a couple years ago, a few years ago. Got to play that. Um, And the reason why I really wanted to play it is they were reopening, not their Kickstarter, but they're doing a reprint on it. And so I went in and purchased everything in the reprint. So I really wanted to try it. And Dark Tower is my favorite board game. The original Dark Tower is my number one board game that of all time. That's that one from like the 80s, right? And they yeah. just, did they re- change the rules or anything to it? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, they added stuff to it. You know, there's the big thing, as I remember from the 80s game, you really only fought brigands you know you had to you had to find fighters to fight brigands to scale the tower find the keys you know to be able to fight the the bad guy at the end and stuff this is this they've expanded it to where there's now scenarios and you know different different bad guys just like kind of descent is the best or maybe not descent um trying to think yeah, I kind of like Descent, where you have the, the end bad guy that you're fighting, you know, in the scenarios, things like right. that. And for, and for those who don't know the hook on that old game, there used to be the version from the 80s, at least, that I remember had a battery-operated tower in the center. Yep. yep. And it was actually a key piece to the game as far as what would interact with... It was with... the piece. It, it actually was the whole game. It's It, it was... that the, the tower ran the game, you know? Right. And so the way the new, the Return to Dark Tower is the tower still runs the game, but it runs it via an app. And oh, well, that makes sense. So it's blue, Bluetooth connected to the tower, which is cool. And then the tower, the old 80s game tower, used to spin. Yes. And this one spins, but it spins internally. It doesn't spin as the whole tower. And it's it's less, it's it's less like truly interactive because of the app. But it's still spinning on the inside, and you know it. The tower is kind of the thing you're still fighting, you know. But you have the elements in the game that you know come from cards you're drawing and things like that. So it has it has kind of a breadth of cards that you get. You have character cards. You have you know different types of characters that you're playing. Um, different. Um, you you gain like experience in it in a way. You have you know. Um, you have it's an economy in it a little bit too because you can spend to buy and there's a store and there's four areas you can go to that do you know that allow you to do things and um like i said i don't want to go super in depth because sure if you, sure if you're not interested friendly piece of advice for anyone though if you happen to go to like a garage sale or you happen to go to like a you know yard sale flea market something like that and you see that original 80s box for dark tower floating around pick it up in yep. any condition that it is because it is extraordinarily valuable as far as the the board game community is concerned yep yeah it's a big and if you can find one working i mean yeah that's you, the real one that's the yeah the you, ticket you right there. potentially sell it for you know 
four digits if so, yeah. you know you can find the market. Um, so oh, I played that. <laughs> yeah. So then I played a World War II aircraft fighting game, um, which was pretty cool. It was the Japanese. It was um, we had to find and shoot down Yamamoto was the scenario that we were flying. Ooh. And it's one that my a friend of mine actually created the game and he he doesn't like publish it. It is published on Board Game Geek and I could look it up if anybody's really interested. But he has like little, you know, the models of the planes that are really cool. You know, they're painted, they're beautiful models. He had the I think they were the Japanese Zeros. I was flying a P38 um, you know, and he has the models. And then basically there were two bombers that you're trying to get from, they were trying to get from one edge of the map to the other. And then we were trying to shoot them down basically. And it's interesting. There were some mechanics that really kind of, kind of hurt a little bit in the game, but uh, you know, that, that need to be tweaked, I think a little bit, but other than that, it was a, it was a really fun game. Americans had a great strategy. We got in into the bombers, you know, to attack them. And it's a chit draw game. So you draw the chit for which which plane is moving. And then you keep drawing chits until all the movement tokens are gone. And then there's a token in there for a plane to fire. So you can't fire until your chit's pulled. And so we had a lot of rounds where Americans didn't fire because the all the movement tokens were pulled before the chit's the fire chits were pulled and stuff and and then the damage how damage was dealt was kind of a little wonky but still fun to play you know it was it was good to good to be able to fly and you know it's a game where you have to track your altitude and speed which is really important for the game i like those um, kinds of games yeah yeah you know More it's, realistic yeah yeah for sure but you know a little bit harder a little you know you you really have to pay attention in a game like that yes and then I played some other various games that, you know, just um, weren't like notable or anything like that, you know, just sit down quick plays and stuff like that. Um, but I had a great time, you know, that was a good weekend to get out. And um, the only thing that sucked about it was it was at a, at a kind of a convention center. So you can only buy their food. And, yeah. you know, when you're spending $11 on nachos, it's, Kind of wears on you a little bit, you know, but yeah. uh, but it was a great, great weekend. Great, great time. Um, other than that, the only other notable thing, my NFL Blitz came in. So <gasps> so now I can finish putting the arcade together because I've been waiting on that to show up. So because of spacing and where I want to put it, I have to have it to see how much room I have to have available so that people can stand at different games and stuff. So. So now that I have that, this weekend the uh, arcade will get finished as far as all the games put together, and then I'll work on painting it and you know finishing up all the rest of it after that. So that's pretty much my my two weeks in a nutshell. I played some Project Zomboid, um, heavily Good. modded Project Zomboid, which is you know a lot of fun. Um, but I think that that's about it for me for for this two weeks for sure. Just an update on the old Dark Tower market. Apparently, the repr- uh, <clears throat> the reprint must have driven prices down. You can still get them, but they're only like five hundred dollars now, as opposed to like <laughs> you know a thousand like they were in the past. Yeah, and and that'll happen. And with the reprint coming, it'll probably drive it down a little more. But 
you know, ultimately the if you can find a pristine original game, that's you can't beat that. Okay. As long as the, yeah. as long as the batteries were taken out of the game, because that's yeah, the key. and the, the tower itself still functions. That's the important. Yeah, but the ones I've seen in Dark Tower that I've actually seen in the wild were ruined because batteries were left in it. Yep. And you know, and then they explode and get the acid all up in the tower and stuff mm-hmm. and all over That's everything. why like if you have some of these old things, like my old standard game Game Boy, I take the batteries out of them so yeah. that it doesn't ruin them. So if I ever decide I want to pick it up and play it, it's not ruined. Yeah. Or you do rechargeables, because rechargeables most likely aren't going to explode. Yeah, that's true too. It's it's the lead acid that's the bad ones. Yep. And it gets all the corroded. I mean, it can be fixed, but it's a pretty big teardown. Yeah. And re- yep. replacement of those battery terminals and stuff like that. Yeah. And even some of the electronics inside. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how far it goes. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, if that goes to me, I didn't get a ton done. I did get an opportunity to get to the game store this past week. I got to play against uh, Custodes uh, with my Sisters of Battle. Uh, as with the tradition that I have started since Chris asked me, I did um double check with my opponent in advance do you want me to take my standard list which is a little bit more competitive or do you want me to take my fun list and he's like no no i i really think i've got this this whole thing figured out i i, I want to play the big competitive list i'm like okay cool we'll do that and by the end of turn two i think he had two on bikes and one on foot left and it didn't go many turns. Uh, sisters did what sisters do, especially with oodles and oodles of guns. They do have a tendency to get through those two plus saves fairly easily. Uh, and sisters repentia are just gross in close combat. Um, I did make the switch to using finally doing what the internet telling me to do and says it is the best um, order to run sisters with, even though I am painting them up with the armored lady. They were uh, they took a a page out of their Bloody Rose Cousins book and played Bloody Rose this this past week. Um, Legitimately, with just Seraphim or Seraphim, Zephram with the swords jumping from the air and Repentia coming in with an extra attack and a minus one AP. They're coming in at AP four which is just gross. And they, I mean, they're a glass cannon. They're 115, 120 point unit that will go into practically anything and annihilate it. They'll die the very, very next turn, but they will win the points exchange every single time. So it was legitimately not played against Nurgle demons. No, no, I have not played Nurgle in quite some time. Gabe and I have not actually gotten a game in together against each other in quite some time. Now that you've you said you've mentioned that, um, but Custodes are—they I mean, they were pretty quick and they were pretty ballsy to try to take the uh, the center objective early, to which they got met with not one but two units of Repentia, backed up by a third unit of Repentia that were just kind of like that buffer unit, like oh you can't charge me because you got to take them on first. And Repentia have this funny little thing that they can uh, uh, fight on death. So whether you charge them or they charge you, it doesn't matter because they're still getting their swings in. Um, Custodian's armies, look, it, it looks really, really cool, but the downside to those very elite armies is their model count is fairly low. So every single time they pick a model up off the board, it is a significant more percentage of your army. When I lost, I don't know, 400 points total between the Zephyrum that dropped down and attacked his back objective and the three units of Repentia that all died. They all did what they were supposed to do, but they killed 
1200 and something points of, of army and he just legitimately just didn't have models left i had little five woman uh squads just sitting on objectives collecting and racking up points the entire next two three turns and it, it was curtains after that second turn i'm sorry to say and then anything else? Did I do anything else? Not really. I've been super, super busy the last couple of weeks. Finally, my gigantic work project is behind me. Uh, so I've been, I took some time off to just like take a mental break day and sit down and play video games. Um, <laughs> that, that was it. Uh, I, I'm finding that Elden Ring, I can only take in small doses before I have to put the controller down. Um, it's hard. It really is. And I get it. This is my first Souls game. I've heard how hard Souls games are. I've always heard the get good meme and I get it. I truly do. But the, the, it, I can understand how that would be a barrier to entry to someone playing a Souls game. That having been said, having beaten two bosses in Elden Ring now, there's nothing more elating than finally figuring out the pattern and finally figuring out the way to beat that boss. And you've been trying it for 45 minutes and you've got, you've died 29 times before, but on that 30th time, everything kind of fell in. Like it's super, like there's a gigantic dopamine hit from being able to do it. So I get it. I get where people are in that mindset of, yes, it's a great game. It's a hard game. It's harder than Nintendo hard, if I recall. Like, I, that, that was the comparison I kept out. Like, like, man, I don't remember having this much problem on Ninja Gaiden. Holy crap. Or the original Ninja Turtles game. My God, this thing is hard. Like, punishing, punishing game. But fun. Really enjoying. That's it. That's all I did. Nothing. I keep meaning. I, 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 I knew this was going to happen. I, I get on my painting bug. And I kept telling myself, all right, this weekend, this weekend, I'm breaking out paints. I'm going to finish up those other sisters of squads. Move on to the move on to the uh to get the rest of the retroputers done and it's oh we've got to go here we've got to go do this and by the time i get back it's like seven o'clock in the evening and i'm like i'm tired i don't want to sit down and paint and i don't know how chris i don't know how you do it i don't know how you force yourself to do it i have to be in a mood to sit down and paint and if i'm not in the mood it doesn't happen so my right. sisters my sisters keep looking at me in a half painted state going bitch what are you doing come, come on get get us done because I did, I did pencil myself in for Nova Open next year, which means I am burning time. Do you not have like, like YouTube videos and stuff you want to watch? Sure, like, and like don't get me wrong, that's a hundred percent. So my standard norm is I will toss on War Games Live, which whatever tournament uh, Joe's covering that weekend, I'll have that on in the background, listening to it. If I get bored with that, which does happen from time to time, not all the time, but it does happen. Uh, my go-tos are the TV shows or movies that I have seen so many times. I don't need to be looking at the screen to still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, who I, have, what I, I mean. What I, what it's I, like if you have the if you're doing that, it should be why you're paying. All right. So here's the problem that I have with it. I because I am because the sisters' oh, models oh, are so you, detailed. You asked how I, how do I do it? Okay. I you have maybe you're able to compartmentalize that a little bit better than I can. I can't take my eyes off of what I'm doing because I find sisters. No, but like, do do you really need to watch the movement of the models in a 40k battle report? Oh no 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 no, no. those those oh, I can put, have you, up in the background. So Absolutely. yeah, you you put it. What I'm saying is, it, if it's a 20 minute YouTube video that you want to watch, put it on and paint like one color on one model. I know, I know. I just, I've got to force myself to sit. What, what I would love to do at some point in time in my life, and sometime I will get to get there, is to have a setup similar like you and Sean have, where you just have a permanent paint station setup, 
like for me, it's not just sit down and paint. For me, it's like, okay, I've got to go get my stuff. I've got to get all this. I've got to get all this set up. It takes me 20 minutes just to even get set up and in a position where I can start painting before I can start painting kind of thing. And if I can push myself through that, I can do it. And it's just, I haven't, uh, I so haven't gotten the door behind you, which I think is to a furnace room. Is that right? Yep, door right there. Yeah, what's, to, what's to the left or the right of that door as you look at it? To the right of that door, like on oh, the, the inside? No, so like, why well, don't you, over the why makeup don't you, of the basement of my house, by yeah, the way. Why don't you are... just have like a $40 desk set up next to that door that because has I've your stuff on it? Dogs that will knock things over. Big, gigantic, monster dire wolf sized dogs <laughs> will knock uh, things like excuses to me man I, i'm oh, just I, i've got to i've got to have a painting set up well you could put one there i can't do that i've got a dog i don't have one i have five yeah but but yeah uh so they'll get old and die soon as well Ed. don't worry about it um oh when i thought that the cat when we had our cats are we all right probably too much information i'll give it anyway when my wife and i first started dating we started with the the first couple of months we started dating, we got two, we got two kittens, one for her, one for her sister for Christmas that year. Uh, we ended up with both cats. Those cats lived to no, one of them. Because cats aren't for Christmas, Ed. Cats well, are for life, not just for Christmas. Oh, I know. And one of them lived old enough to be able to vote. So, like, legitimately. But, like, I couldn't do it with them because they'd get up on the table and they'd knock things over. And I hate seeing This is so morbid. And I don't like thinking of this. It was very sad when these two cats passed away. But the one thing, the one thing I was like, okay, I will be able to have something set up permanently now because cats are not going to knock over paint pots or models. Great. I can handle that. And then my wife wanted dogs. So the whole process started over again. I don't know. I... Someday what's going to happen is eventually I'm going to have kids move out of the house. I'm going to have an empty room in the house. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to set up a desk. And that is going to be the room that that happens. So I can close the door. And I don't care how many dogs are in the house. They can't go in there to ruin it. That's what's going to happen eventually. Uh... So another thing I used to do when I was my most productive, um, I think I painted um, an entire wood elf army for um, a throne of skulls um, in about like, six weeks, two months, maybe. Um, well, no doubt. Like when I was going down. It, well, it was in the, I, what I was doing, it was when I was still in the Air Force and I would set an alarm for 5.30 and I would get up at 5.30, paint for an hour, and then get a shower and get ready for work. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Because, like, if it's a foot, like, literally, I would go and sit at my painting desk in my pants, like, throw a, t a sweaty t shirt on, yes. sit and paint before I've even had a shower, brush my teeth, anything like that. The first thing I was doing, and I was painting, and then start my day. That's a legitimate point. Like going to an event or something like that is a gigantic motivator. When I finished my, was getting my Necron army ready for a GT, that was the best motivator. You've got six weeks, you've got five weeks, you've got four weeks. They, the tournament requires you to be painted. They will not let you enter if you don't have your, your army fully painted. That was a gigantic motivator uh, to get that stuff done. So what you're saying, Chris, is I need to pick a tournament sometime in like January, February and commit to going to it so that it forces me to paint them. No, just start, like, get a routine of this is when you paint. Yeah, it, and I'm not going to lie, there are, there are plenty of days that I get home from work, have had dinner. No, that's why I say, do it the first thing in the morning, because then you've done it. Yeah. So you, like, if your routine is you get up an hour earlier, paint for 45 minutes, because it takes you 
15 minutes to set up. You get up an hour earlier, paint for 45 minutes, and then you go on with your day. And then it doesn't matter. If you get home and want to do more painting, that's bonus painting because you've done your quarter. Sleep feels so good. It's so good. <laughs> I will get there. I, I will get there eventually. I will get. I will motivate myself back in. Again, since I've penciled myself in for the Nova Open, what's going to happen is it's going to get, I will get motivated. I will, I will get myself motivated. They get, they're getting done. Yeah. Um, uh, I watched a, um, a video on 40K tier lists. Ooh. The other day, and I, I noticed that, um, like, Sisters of Battle, Necrons, Tyranids. I know. All, like, A tier or S tier. I know. I know. Like, and, like, legitimately, as I look, I think I saw the same list that you saw that Games Workshop put out to, uh, today or yesterday when they were going over their how their their thought process of how they update and modif uh, modify codexes through the balancing slate. And it's interesting. Well, that's a completely different conversation. Because aiming for between 45 and 55%. A 55% win rate should be absurdly high. It is. I like, agree. When you consider that... It depends, so, I don't know if you read is, that this article is a on tangent. I didn't read it, but so in, in game theory and game balance, a 55% win rate is still, like, absurd. Like, that shouldn't be considered within balance tolerance, in my opinion. Because, I would agree like, if you were talking strictly high-level gameplay. So... In the article, they they mentioned that they didn't give their exact sources, which is one of the one of my issues with that specific article. We have a pretty good idea where they pulled it from, um, which is Best Coast pairings. But they also said that they aggregated data from other places. So what that means is is nine times out of ten, whenever you're doing some type of aggregate data like that, you're not you're pulling from the best sources. They're pulling from not only those, but they're pulling in like small level RTTs. And so no, I, I get it, but what I mean is like. An army that wins a lot will be more popular, which means sure. it should have a high representation at tournaments, which means it should play itself. Which I don't, means it should, uh, so that should I every don't know time an I army agree. plays itself, it should drag the win rate down. I right? don't know that I necessarily agree with that statement. I genuinely, truly have always believed it, player skill is a gigantic. Uh, no, I agree, but because you could take oh, a top level player and a low level player, that top level the, player could take th the this worst is a different army topic in the game. entirely. But, oh, it is. Um, like a high-level player who plays competitive 40k will change their army to the next po most popular army. Correct. So the that that doesn't army. that doesn't factor in really. Like the they're always going to play the most competitive army. Yeah, but agreed. But what I'm saying is a 55% win rate being considered balanced is bullshit. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I I put my personal limit would be 52%. Well, I'll give you 48, they, gave, 52. they gave you a range of 45 to 55. So they can, what was interesting, too, is when you look at some of the armies that are on the bottom tier of that 45 to 55. Oh, Imperial how many Guard, of those ones do you play? None. Oh, I'm just checking. Uh, well, all right. Technically, Space Marines and Space Marines is on the bottom, but I like just haven't adopted into the primaris mindset yet. But the, my main primary armies, yeah, you're right, are on the top tier in that one. What was interesting <laughs> to me was when you saw that list, Imperial Guard is on that list, kind of listed, considered as balanced and okay in their opinion, and that codex is still in 8th edition. It's still an 8th edition codex. In 9th edition, almost to the end of life of 9th edition, and they still consider, yeah, that's fine. Right, but that's because 45% is within tolerance. 
I guess. I guess. And if you want to talk about that, Games Workshop, that was the second funniest thing that Games Workshop did in the past two weeks. The first, of course, being the release of the Leagues of Otan that were immediately, and I do mean as far as Games Workshop's concerned, immediately nerfed when they came out. So, so the- I, I would, I have an argument against that statement purely because I do not consider the Leagues of Otan to have been released yet. Because they don't have a full model the pre- range. The I, pre- I agree. No, not even a model range. Can you go to the shop and buy the codex? No, because the only way you can do no. it is with that special. They did the same yeah, thing. So the, 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 no, I, I understand. I understand orcs. why. But what I'm saying is that isn't the release of the army. That's a preview of the army with a special thing. If you want to, if you want to put money into the, uh, this is paying for alpha more yep. than it is. And like agreed, paying the alpha test. I agree. Yeah, um, is how I view it. So I don't view the army as having been out yet, which is fine. It doesn't change your statement, but. Wow. All right, I, all right. That's a, a bit of semantics, and I can I can definitely see yeah. your your perspective on. It. Um, yeah. the point being, of course, is the army box, the special edition army box, releases on a Saturday, and by Thursday, they have instant nerf. They have raised the points on absolutely every unit in the codex, and released a funny little video. And I highly, highly recommend just going for those of you that are even in the Games Workshop ecosphere, going and seeing this because it's hysterical. It. it I understand the people that are poking phone of Games Workshop going, well, if you knew this was going to happen, why didn't you release it the day that it released? And I think that's probably in line with what Chris is thinking. Technically, the army hasn't been released yet. This was just kind of a preview of the army. But yeah, they absolutely instant nerfed that one. And they even explained in the article further on down the line in that they were balancing the this army against the three most recent codices that came out, which included Eldari, Tyranids, and I forget who the third one was, but point being, they're the three most recent codexes, which have been nerfed to hell and back. So they were playing, playtesting that army against the unmodified, unnerfed versions of these other three armies. And the company produces these books, these codices, months in advance. That means that the Imperial Guard and most likely World Eaters are also going to be as obscenely broken as they are but the the best line the best line in that video is game is james the character james workshop going well of course of course they, we, we got to give them a little bit of bump they haven't won a tournament in 30 years here i'll tell you what what we'll do we'll cut out the middleman if you buy the army we'll mail you a tournament first place trophy that's yeah <laughs> so at, least, good. At, yeah. at least they're self-conscious enough to be like yeah okay we got this one wrong and they recognize it in other versions of Games Workshop that I have known growing up playing this game, they would have just let it ride. Let it ride because they're a model company, not a rules company. How many times did I hear that excuse come out of them? Like, I I applaud them for making the changes that they made. I don't yeah. know that they were broken. I think that's the problem. And I think fundamentally, that's the problem that I have with it. They didn't live long enough in the wild to even know that all the Internet spooking and fearing that came out of like, oh, my God, this codex is completely broken. Nobody had played it yet. Nobody, they had not been entered into an event yet. They have no tournament results whatsoever. I don't know how they're making that judgment. I get it. You can read it and look at it and say, this looks pretty good, but I don't, can't tell you the number of units that I've read in a codex that I thought looked good that aren't. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of framing to that discussion as well, where like um, a lot of hyperbole and mm-hmm. um, if, I, I think gone, people, if, people come to the fact that they got banned by tos in germany but that standard practice for that to is that they don't allow a new codex until after it's been faq'd yeah 
Uh, every codex that comes out has, goes through that same process. So it and has nothing kind of to do with the league. So, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like the sun came up, but when the, like, it's, this is what they do, this is a normal thing. Nothing was different because it was Weeks of Votan. Well, and I'd make the same argument, like any any time they do those special ones, anytime they do those special edition box sets where nobody can actually go out and buy the army book and buy units, like if that special box set, they they shouldn't be legal because, like you said, they're not a full release yet. But yeah, that's by the The best bit of Games Workshop news is the the Corswain model. Oh yeah, and then there's some gigantic stuff going on this week, and we're recording this on a Thursday. Obviously, they're doing something on Saturday. It's like two o'clock in the morning for my time i don't remember because they obviously go off of their time i get it but they're expecting all kinds of gigantic announcements i would expect to see more stuff from imperial guard probably going to get a little taste of what world a little bit more from the world eaters and maybe there's a lot of people that are theorizing that they're going to announce um whatever campaign is going to end ninth edition and then talk about 10th edition i don't think they're there yet i don't think that we're the idea, like, so the Games Workshop life cycle for editions of 40k in the last several years has been three years, and we're there. I hate to say it, ninth edition released in the middle of the COVID pa- pandemic. I feel like we haven't had enough time with it. I also feel like it's in one of the best states that I've ever played the game in. So, like, I don't know that I want them to change it. I don't know that I want a new edition. I mean, with the way that they're doing changes, with the balanced daily slates that they're doing, the modifications that they're making there, I think that that is the way that you change and modify the game. The core rules to the game fundamentally are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. I mean, you had the weird thing with the bodyguard rule. Okay. Um, there was a tournament this past weekend in the UK that got some kind of weird thing because of the artillery models, because the, there's problems with the assaulting a unit that is in scenery as well, I believe. Ah, uh, they fixed that. They they, they, un, they unfixed it. It's not, it wasn't it a problem. No, they, they flip-flopped on it, though, didn't they? They FAQ'd it, it and then immediately FAQ'd it back. Well, So that, FA... would, that would say to me that there is a problem and that the attempted solution made it worse, so they undid it. But okay. I'm just saying there are okay. things it... that could change. Okay, there are minor things. Um, yeah. The thing that happened in the, the GT this past weekend, um, it came with artillery models. Now, there aren't that many in the game. Um, Imperial Guard have them, which is basically it's a gun with like models that sit aside saying this is the crew that's manning the gun. You see a lot of it in like um, World War II mi- miniatures. Yeah. Uh, yeah or, or, and according to the rules, the, the models that are quote unquote firing the gun aren't really the model. It's the artillery that you're assaulting, but they are physical models on the board. So in theory, you can get them an inch and a half away from an inch, an inch point one away from the um, the artillery piece. And if someone is charging through them, they can't complete their charge, so they can never actually assault. They the should always piece. be the same as Imperial Guard gun teams. All artillery should just be a ba- a single profile base. Single profile base, or or. Do like you do with the uh, ammo cherubs from no no, 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 they made they gave vehicles wounds, uh, so get fucked. I totally can have wounds too. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm totally right. fine with that solution. Or the fact that those two guys that are just sitting there for the gun aren't actually models; they're just tokens representing wounds, and they can be moved, they can be assaulted through. They don't affect the game. I just I just want to uh, say to all the fans of lack of focus. Welcome to the Heresy Cast, and um, 
But there isn't this much 40k on his 40k podcast. Don't know what you're talking about, Sean. Oh, come on. I've gotten two, we're two hours deep into my one hour. Yeah, but how much 40k have you spoken about yet? <laughs> uh, uh, that was all you, 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 you spoke about 30k. You, you, you've only just gotten to 30k. You've oh, spoken about no 40k yet. That is true. We've just got to the Unification Wars. And if you want. Ed's brief history of the galaxy. We're going for part three, probably at least a part four. It's going to be a five part series by the time it's done, because in part three, we're going to get to the edge. There's of the no way you're going to get through the Horus Heresy in, I in this episode. So there, no, I might be able to get the beginning of the Horus Heresy in this one, potentially, potentially, but we'll see. Anyway, if you want to tune in for that and you want to hear more 40 K lore stuff, Check out the heresy. Uh, I suppose I could do mine because I've played 40k, you know. You did. You absolutely yeah. did. I've been playing, well, I think I'm on four games of 40k now. I played my first 50 power level, which is what, a thousand points. I think that's kind of where we'll, uh, we'll peak. I don't think we'll get much bigger. Um, I think we just because we're playing like Crusade and stuff, and it's like, I'm not really playing. The same kind of 40k that Ed would play. But. No, not really. But at 50 points, 50 points is equivalent, like you said, of approximately of a thousand point army. It's sufficient enough that you have enough units on the board that there's actually a game. It's not over in 35 minutes where I've got like five or six models or 10 models or 15 models. It's not like I hate, I'm not trying to disparage kill team by saying this. It's not a glorified version of an upscale kill team. It's an actual 40k army where you've got more than a, a handful of units on the board. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, I feel I feel like I've overtuned my army list a little bit. So I've been playing against uh, my friend Billy, who's been running a really beautifully painted Ultramarines army. But one of the Those other players is playing. Too. Yeah, one of the other players is playing um, Chaos Knights, and everyone's been saying about how good it is once you put a knight uh, army. Every, uh. Everyone else is playing infantry based armies. And there's one player playing Chaos Knights. Knights are a gatekeeping army for a reason. Either you are a good enough player and your army is good enough to handle knights. If so, you walk right through them. If not, they will continue to hold that gate closed until you get good. <laughs> I'm but, sorry um, to say. No, it's not. So much, it's just I, I, I was worried about how I was going to get wounds through. So like my great unclean one um, has got uh, an up, upgrade where is one of his weapons does extra wounds that has a higher damage profile. And then his warlord trait is that all of his hits just turn into wounds automatically. There you go. Um, but then his sword has two profiles. There's a big swing profile or the double his number of attacks profile. Yeah. Most of the, most of so the main characters I, do that. That's for the, I have, if I get into the hordes, I can sweep them. Otherwise I'm going to do more damage to your elite. You, you'd say that, Apart from when your damage two big swing turns into no, your damage one turns into a damage two big swing, and all twelve of them hit on twos and wound automatically. Ooh, that's true. That's yeah. true. So, uh, do you want twenty four wounds? Because I've got twenty four wounds for you right here. I've got a command point roll that I can re-roll that one that I accidentally rolled. Yeah, all right. Fun times, you know. That's dirty. Well, then there, there you. You've been able to handle one of the gatekeeping armies of 40k. If you can handle a knight, you're okay. Uh, so I can smite it, 
boss some wounds, then I can do a stream of corruption, which is smite, but not the same spell, so I can cast it twice. I can cast sure it can. from the same wizard. Sure can. Um, then I can play a, a stratagem for when I charge uh, on a four up ideal. Um, I think it's D D three plus three mortal wounds or something oh, like that. Wow! Oh wow! Um, then I get to do my swing with my sword. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a lot of mortal wound output. Yeah. So I'm not sure how I feel about mortal wounds in the game. If I had to pick one thing, one thing that I'm not necessarily happy with as far as eighth ninth edition is concerned, mortal wounds is. I get where the premise came from. It became it came from like D weapons from the old versions of like Apocalypse. Like if you're getting shot with a Reaver Titan, you're dead. Like it, the entire building that you were in turned into a cloud of vapor the size of Nebraska. You should not survive that. I get that. That's where that kind of yeah. came from. But now there are so many units in the game that dish out mortal wounds that it doesn't matter if you have an invul save. It doesn't matter. There's a handful. It's handful they get a save against mortal wounds but beyond those you're you're just deleting units off the board and i don't feel that that's right for the game so if i would change no, one I, thing I, I i agree and i only like it when it's my metal guns that these nuns are holding that take things off the board oh yeah because nothing beats nuns with guns saying big guns that melt holes through tanks then i've been playing um an equal uh amount of star wars legion um that's been interesting um uh, my my Mandalorian Super Commando army uh, is uh, my Shadow Collective is definitely be, um, feeling like it's about as tuned as it's gonna get. Um, I can't bring myself to make it more competitive because it just um, I'd have to drop too many of the units that I like to get more competitive than it is now. Do you but I to play the game competitively. Oh no! And then it doesn't matter. Oh, no, but I I have. I've got 16 Mandalorian Super Commandos in my list now. That um, sounds badass. Four units of four, and then Gar Saxon as my commander leading them. Uh, then I've got some pikes just like sitting around hanging out, and then Bosk with his um, his suppressive like mortar gun thing. Um, and it's a bit weird. I was saying to Ed earlier, I, I don't, I can't really look at stuff and figure out if it's good or not yet. I don't feel like comfortable with the game just yet. But like Bosk has been really, really good compared to how well I thought he would do. One of, so the way Legion works is you have um, a command card. So you've got a deck of seven cards that you make. One of them's always standing orders. And then you pick six cards. Two of them can be one pip. Two of them can be two pip. And th two of them can be three pip. And that dictates a card you play you compare with your opponent and whoever's got the least number of pips is the first player that turn. So if you want to go first, you play a one pip. If you want to go last, you play a three pip. Bosk's three pip, yeah. Bosk's three pip card that is specific to him is lying in wait. You play that, again, sharpshooter, which re reduces your cover by one. And then every time your opponent activates a unit, you gain a name token. So I played um, last night against a droid army that had 11 activations. Ooh. So I played Lying in Wait on turn one. Um, I couldn't get all 11 aim tokens because I eventually, I activated everyone else apart from Bosk and then activated him with 10 aim tokens. And I was like, just really, each aim token lets you re-roll up to two dice. So he's got a five dice attack and in Legion you can re-roll a dice more than once. Oh, good lord. 
So boss attack is one red dice, which is um, an eight-sided die, where for boss, only a one on the eight-sided die is a miss. Then four white dice, which is the opposite. It's like really shit. But the, the eight is a crit. I finished the attack with an aim token left over and five crits. Ooh. Yeah. Wiped out a unit on boss's first activation. It did that in the last game I played Vim. So I'm like, yeah, okay. Opening up with boss and just taking out an activation because he went last with a million aim tokens is pretty good. Pretty Not going to lie. Um, but that was weird playing against um, Count Dooku. Um, I've not played against him before. He's got a bunch of interesting cards and does a bunch of fun stuff. But the the mission for this one was that a bombing run. So you get three, each player gets three bomb tokens and you want to drop them in within range one of your opponent's deployment zone. But then you detonate them after you've dropped them. They don't just automatically blow up. But when they detonate, everything within range one of them, you roll to hit it. Very nice. So... Um, the way I managed to win was I just suicided my Mandalorians into the middle of all of his droids. Once it um, activated, then I dropped a bomb token and just pushed the button and just blew myself up. Like, I'll take the hits as well. It's fine. Whatever. But, but you're coming with me. Yeah, I'm scoring a victory point. I'm taking out a bunch of your dwarves. I'm putting wounds at uh, dwarves, um, droids, putting wounds onto Dooku. Just. Um, so I lost all 16 Mandalorians, which is a first, but like, I was I, I was up by a point at the end, so whatever, I won. Yep, works for me. I don't teach him for being too cowardly to just blow up his own units. And know, they're all right? robots, what does it matter? Yeah, what the heck? What do they care? Rides aren't people until I become a Separatist player, and then that's offensive to me. Um, yeah, I've done a bit of painting. Um, that's about it for my game and I've finished painting my um, 600 point Vanguard force for um, Age of Sigma as well so I think I posted pictures of that on a Discord I was looking um, at those before pre-show yeah but I've not managed to play a game of that yet so that'll be um, be interesting I've not played this edition of Age of Sigma so that'll be another new game that I'm learning so Kind of segues us into a main topic. I was I just going to say, look at that segue. Roll us right in to the new to, to the topic for the uh, the night. Yeah. So as said at the start, like maybe what, an hour ago, or something like that. Um, the main topic for tonight is like starting playing a new game and like how you pick a game that you want to play. Like, do you just buy something on impulse? Do you, like oh, do you? research with a friend group do you just see what your friends are already playing all of that kind of stuff and then once you've made that choice how you get like into it and for me for the top for sake of a topic i'm talking more about not necessarily just a miniatures game but a game that involves some effort outside of playing the game like going buying the latest board game that all your friends are playing and then inviting them around to play the board game isn't kind of what i'm talking about it's like magic would still kind of you've got to kind of like figure out what kind of deck you want to play um like starting a new role-playing game with kind of, all of that kind of stuff Ooh. but th those kind of games where it involves effort outside of the game to be able to play the game okay so, that, that answers the first question back to I a previous yeah going back to a previous show a game you've got to take quasi seriously well 
I don't know that I necessarily, by our definition of serious, which was spending time outside of the game, sure, 100%. But I think any game that you would get into, you need to put in some effort into that. So my I first... I've played Monopoly a bunch, Ed. I've played yeah, Monopoly a bunch. This is true. Don't really think about it after I'm done playing it, as most people yeah. don't. Uh, all right, so I'll throw the first my first qualifier for that one. The very first thing that I would do as far as a new game is concerned is it's always important that I don't know what everyone else's hobby budgets are like. So you want to make sure to get the most bang for your buck out of your hobby dollar. So I wouldn't consider investing in a game unless I knew I had other people I was going to play with. I can't tell you the number of games that are sitting on a shelf over here for role-playing games or miniatures that are sitting in a closet or I've sold off or even like CCGs that I picked up that nobody else was interested in. Unless you have established at least, it's great to come into a group that's already playing the game because it's helpful for them to be able to teach you the game, but you also know you have an inbuilt player base of people that you can play against because there's nothing worse than that feeling of, I spent $400 to get into this game and it just sits on a shelf collecting dust because I have nobody to play with. So that would be my first qualifier. Um, make sure that there's other people you have interest in playing with. Yeah, and I that kind of comes down to um, the I mean the advice I give to people when they come in looking for a miniatures game, like the the the, the less quantifiers, so it's by forty k. Right. Yeah. If you, You'll always I mean, find it, a play group for that, 100%. Like, at the minute, if you came into a sentry box, I would tell you to, to I would, and you wanted to play games in the sentry box, I would actually probably tell you to buy a Legion because the main group in Calgary doesn't play in the sentry box. But then, so I, I, go, I can go from my experiences here because I've got like two interwoven anecdotes, I suppose. Um, Given that Ed was starting Heresy Cast and I know I was going to be like editing it and trying to be around it and like trying to get back into making content again, mm -hmm. I was like, well, I should probably step up my game of doing like games workshop content in general. And then simultaneously to that, we, one of my good friends I'll play games with, Bill, um, is also hosting. We had been playing a bunch of Necromunda, but then he kind of drifted out of that group. And we'd still been trying to play our Arkham Horror games and stuff like that. But it was a little bit strange. I'd not really seen him around. And then I kept seeing him on Saturdays playing 40K and he was running the Crusade. So he's been running a Crusade on a Saturday at the Sentry Box and a Crusade on a Sunday at a different store, Imaginary Wars in Calgary. So he's kind of got two Crusades running simultaneously. And then I'd been working on my demon army for Warcry anyway which needed to put them on round bases and I was like well I might as well do it all and the advantage of having this demon army was that it drops into 40k, Age of Sigma, Warcry and Kill Team yeah. so if I can get it finished I'm kind of set on what I want to play I can I can tick the box to be able to play any of the Games Workshop games Yeah, that is the benefit to demons because you can just kind of cross pollinate over all of them Yeah, so I was like okay so Spoke to Bill, can I jump in your crusade? What do I need to do? And like we did a a 25-point game where I just brought stuff that I had, threw it into a list, and we played. And that's that was the first one where I had like a great unclean one at 25 points because I just finished painting the model. And I was like, 
this was just a bit stupid. So then we played another game um, a couple of weeks later where I took different models and kind of progressed that way. But this was with an army that I already owned because I've had this demon army since 2011. So I didn't have any of those concerns that Ed would raise about um, getting the bang for a buck. Like, yeah, I, I had to buy some bases or like a model here, a model there. But I've got like a four a four thousand point chaos demon army. I I'm pretty much set, you know. Yeah, and you galaxy brained it in the fact that you can cover literally four different games workshop games with one army. Yeah. Um. Then the flip side of that coin is like, that was me going seeing people I already played games with playing a different game and I wasn't involved in, and like. Uh, you know, I could get a little bit of that action. The other side of that coin was like working Tuesday nights is our miniatures night. And the most successful game we've had is Legion. And I've you guys know I've I've bought into Legion like three times previously to this iteration mm-hmm. and like sold stuff off, bought stuff back, sold stuff off, and never really taken that step. And this kind of comes down to that subtopic I was gonna was talking about like stepping outside of your normal social circle and that's because the people who were playing legion weren't like, i knew them all because i work at the store but they're not really people i'd see outside of those interactions so it was a, a much bigger step to start playing and even then yeah. it was like oh my, my friend who i played um last night tim i, I played a bunch of legion with him uh, so not Legion, um, Infinity. It was a guy I used to play Infinity with on a Tuesday night. Um, I played the Game of Thrones card game with him, so I, I already knew and played games with Tim. I consider him like in that circle of people I like playing games with. But then stepping into, I basically I signed up for the league and forced myself to just put that mindset of being open to playing different people. And it's been so so long since I've been to a tournament where I was going to be interacting with effectively strangers and playing games with strangers. So I, and it's different. It's weird for me because it's different when I'm at work and I'm hosting something because that's not really me. It's the same in the, it's going to sound weird. It's the same way as like when we're doing the show or when we used to do Nova, I had the persona and like, I was the anti-math guy to Bob's math guy. I did a lot of gut instinct stuff. Oh, this feels really cool. Or like fluffy, I'd rather do it this way. But that wasn't, uh, it's based on thoughts and feelings I had, but it's a character. You're playing a role. And when I'm at work and I'm interacting with people who come to an event or I'm like, I'm playing as a buy, I'm just playing a role. I'm there to entertain them and make sure they have a good time. So it doesn't, my feelings about the game are irrelevant. I'm not there for me. Yeah. So you so, know what I mean. So on, well, it's an interesting thing because there's, there's. I think there's so many sides to this topic that it's almost going to be way too hard to hit more than one or two. But so one of the things that I look at with games when I'm buying into a game is does or is the game fun to start with? That's just number one for me. And and I can go back to, you know, when I jumped back into my geekdom back in, you know, 2011-ish time frame and learned about X-Wing coming out. And this is 
this is a great example because before X-Wing came out, you know, I saw it in the trades, you know, in the trade magazines and stuff. That that fantasy flight was putting a game out based on the flight pass system, which was based basically on Wings of War. And I had previously played Wings of War. And when you put that game into context with Star Wars, to me, it was a winner right from the beginning because they were changing it from, you know, slow movement cards to fast movement templates. And and I knew right away at that point in time that game was going to be a hit. It would take time. And it would take somebody to motivate the community to like the game. But I knew that that would be a great game. And so with that, I jumped feet first in, you know, got four of everything because I knew that there would probably be shortages. You know, it was one of the things that I talked to the store owner and stuff. And, you know, after that first run of the first wave, it was very hard to get stuff. So I knew that I would have to jump in if I wanted to play this game with other people, I had somebody had to put the foot forward to make it so that people wanted to play the game. And I did that now with other games. So, so when I look at games and and I look at games in two categories, games that are new, that are just coming out that are new, that are, um, you know, maybe either Kickstarter style games or games that companies are putting out. And I look at the game and the type of play or the way the game plays and, that's kind of where I make my initial judgments on are the mechanics of the game. You know, how does the game play? But then the other side of that coin is established games. You know, Chris talked about getting into Legion once, you know, or three times, basically jumping out of it twice and, you know, finally getting back into it again. And one of the reasons why that is is because Legion wasn't a developed game in the beginning. Just like a lot of people, yeah, I mean... a lot of a lot of people can, didn't like Armada in the beginning. Because... I can speak to that a little bit, Sean, just to give my, my reasonings for it. So I, the first time I bought into Legion was um, at like pre-launch. I got um, demos at Gamma, um, and then I managed to convince Asmodee to, because Canada wasn't getting any demo copies, and I managed to convince Asmodee to let me basically take a copy off, off the floor of Gamma and bring it back. So I, I built and painted everything. I did videos and I did like live streams of painting the stormtroopers and stuff. Then I ran the demos at the store and I was like, it's, it's a fun game. I was in. And then, um, and this is still a problem that I have with Legion, like the list building side of it. I, I had ideas for lists. I was like, okay, I'll do a, I'll do a half hour mix. It announced stormtroopers. Um, but there wasn't really, there isn't a way to play a fully themed army. And then they announced that they were changing the list building and adding in operatives. So it's like Bubba Fett and um, I think yep. it's a Luke Skywalker operative yeah. or maybe a Chewbacca. I can't remember uh, which ones it was. But uh, they basically announced a bunch of operatives. And I was like, oh, right. so you're adding in a completely new unit type to your core game when. I can only take rebel troopers off wheat troopers. Right. I, you've right. not booked out a full, like you've not given me enough stuff to play a full army list yet. And you're already changing the way list building works. And I, I get it. Like the game was obviously written with optifs. They were like, they were, I think the wave three or wave four of Legion, but it was already like, it was all developed at the same time. Yes. It, it's just the old staggered FFG release thing. Right. Whatever. Which- kills games too when they do that yeah well that's they murdered rune wars 
Well, because whatever. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that was actually one of the things I was going to bring up. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was the first time I got out of it. It was like, you know what? I've painted this demo set. You've kind of not given me the tools I need to build an army that interests me. So whatever, I'm kind of done. Then um, I had the opportunity to get that Rebel Army that I was going to sell to you, Sean, after I'd painted right. it, that never got painted. So I got it for me. And then I was like, Evie had just been born and I, all of that kind of stuff. And I taking the time to play on a big table like the table in my in my game room i cannot play a six it's i can do like a four and a half foot game i cannot do a six foot measurement on that table so i can't play it at home i didn't want to be going to a store to play games in the evenings because it's like too much work and that that kind of time commitment so that's why i never progressed it and i was like oh well i could give it to sean and then i sorted it. i mean obviously you ended up not getting it sean get wrecked <laughs> um but that was like the second time around then uh when the clone wars stuff was announced i bought a bunch of clone stuff because i thought it looked cool and i I'd painted an obi-wan for someone and it was really good fun to paint but it just sat in boxes in my to-do pile so i i, I eventually has returned that so then getting to this shadow collective box coming out and the mall and the mandalorians and just looking really cool and Legion's just being played so much in the store. This time around, it was more of a work obligation. I spoke to God, the owner of the Sentry Box, I was like, Legion's our most popular game being played. No one on staff plays it. Let me demo, like, remove the demo on Army, and I'll, I'll sort it out, and I'll, I'll build it up, and we can go see what we can do. And God okayed that project. So, like, theoretically, I didn't buy in. I got... Mm. This army, but like behind me, you'll see a bunch of Legion boxes because I've rebought a bunch of the Clone Wars stuff now because I there's that level of guilt in that I didn't buy in, so I should probably buy in. Well, um, with that, with that, I was so I went to the game game shop last night or the night before to pick up my Eldritch Horror. What did I get for Eldritch Horror? I got uh, or Arkham Horror. Sorry. Yeah, the card game. I got the Scarlet Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion. You know. Oh, cool. So, okay, so and I've never played Arkham Horror yet, but once oh, it's really good to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, and so one of the things I noticed with Legion, and this is this is where I was going with it, is that Legion Legion is now a mature game. You know, it's like a teenager. You know, getting into its you know you know late teens, maybe early twenties type game because they have the boxes like starter boxes that you can buy that's like a starter army, you know? And it's not like you're looking at all all of one faction. You're looking at bits and pieces, kind of like a... And I can't remember everything. There's a Rebel one that I saw and a Stormtrooper one that I saw. Yeah, they, they have a Battle Forces now, so... Uh, yeah, I the Battle Forces, the, yeah. The Blizzard Force. Um, yep, yep. Um, it's the 501st is the one I picked yep, up. Yep, 501st is not yep, yep. Um, and then there's um, a separatist invasion force, which isn't out yet. Oh, yeah, I, that was Canada. Yeah, that was. Uh, and then I... um, is the Blizzard Force the Rebel or the? That's the Rebel. Um, it's the yeah. like a Hoth set with Leia. Yeah, I can't remember what the Imperial one's called then. It's but... it's the five o first. You know, it's... No, that's the five o first is the Anakin one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those are the only two that I saw were the 501st. Yeah. And there the is Hoth. an Imperial Hoth one. 
which is actually a really good box. I'll have to figure out. I'll look. Keep going, Sean. I'll, I'll pop yeah. So, so when you're looking at games and getting into games, it's hard to get into games, like especially miniature games when they're first starting out. And I look at Rune Wars as a good example, where Rune Wars, I thought, had a lot of promise. It had very cool looking figures. Um, you know, it, it played, it played to me similar to Warhammer Fantasy in, in, in breadth, maybe not depth, but in breadth of the game, the breadth of the game. And it was, it was compelling. It was a, it looked like it could be a really good game. And of course it was built in the Rune Wars world, you know, that, uh, you know, that, yeah, that, yeah, Tyranoth, you know, so it had, you had some decent lore behind them and stuff, but the failure of it was, and why I didn't fully commit to the game was because they came out with two factions like they always do, which is killing fantasy flight when they would come out with miniatures games. Yeah, you know when you do two factions. When you look at Armada, you got three what three ships in Armada, something like that. When Armada came out, and then yeah. the fighters, and then fighters, you know. And I understand why they do it because a, it's a production piece. It's your starter set. It's a production piece, but it's also commitment. Are you going to commit a lot of funds to something that you don't know if it's going to make it? You know the risk. It's that, so, you know. I mean, th- this is a good tangent for us because I have. Strong feelings and opinions on this. I think them dipping their toe into the licensed stuff with Star Wars ruined FFG for being able to produce miniatures games. Correct. Because the fact that it's Star Wars leads to Rebels versus Imperials being okay. Yep. Yeah. But when you're trying to launch something like Rune Wars, that always should have launched with like four factions. Four factions for me is a minimum amount of diversity to make an interesting game work exactly oh uh, you know, know and then at the, what, at the what tail do end, i know at the tail end what they got the elves out or something like that and oh, they got elves and they got um Ufuk, i think it is yeah the, the was that the humans Uf- or whatever no the demon uh, the, oh yeah they, they didn't develop an orc faction at all which i think was a mistake because yep. they do have orcs in Turinoff. Um, yep. They had, uh, I see. I believe the statute of limitations is probably passed on this now, but there was a dragon, uh, a dragonoid army uh, in development when it got cancelled. And, and that would have been so cool, you know. Come out with the four, and then develop into the fifth and sixth, you know. Yeah. Right away, and then come, you know. It's like with Legion, the problem with Legion was you had Rebels versus Imperials. Imperials, the Stormtroopers, to me, sucked ass because of the die they used and how poorly they shot. But then they were better than the Rebels. I think it was because of armor or whatever. I can't remember exactly. Because I played, you know, about 10 games of Legion when it first came out. You know, and then the snow speeders, and you know, because you're attracting me with rebels and snow speeders and all that type of stuff. But it came out to me flat. Like it was, I think, hard for stores to okay, get groups. So, sorry, Sean. Wizard Force is the Imperials. Echo based defenders. Echo based defenders. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you know, that's the thing is that if if Legion would have launched with all four factions or whatever you want to call it, and then when they put out like you were talking about, put out the operatives and stuff, it would have made more sense, you know? 
Instead, so the, it started this out is, slow. This is something that still bothers me about Legion uh, and does affect... So this is a good thing because it kind of ties back into a main topic again. But like the way I would generally want to start playing this type of game is by having a, an, a fee, an item that feels like a theme. I'm very thematic in my gameplay. I, that's why I prefer American-style board games over Euro-style. The theme of the game matters a lot to me. Um, so like these battle forces, for example, are a godsend to the style of gaming I like to do. Right. But the, like the army I've got sat unbuilt that I've picked up to do for clones, it's basically why I'm waiting for the separated stuff to arrive. So I actually wanted to do an invasion force, but because I bought the clone more starter set, I get some clones anyway. Right. But I was like, oh, I could do a Wookiee army. That'd be fun. So in my Wookiee army, I can have a Wookiee chieftain as my general. I can have Chewbacca as like a second like, command option. Um, then there's two different Wookiee infantry units. One's more range focused, one's more combat focused. Then I've got um, the Fluttercraft, uh, the Nat Fluttercraft thing that they, they have for Model for, which was pretty cool. So I got two of those. And then I've got three units of clones because I have to. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so there's no, there isn't a Wookiee core unit. I, I can't, I can't have a pure Wookiee army. Right. All right. Well, tragedies. But you know what I mean? It's just stupid. All right. You, yeah, you're, I mean, so, you're so close. You're so close to giving me your feet. I just my, my spit shield just worked for the first time ever. I just spat all over it. Good, um, good, good. <laughs> um, but like, what what was another one? So like the the Mandalorian army. I have to have two units of pikes or two units of black sun. There isn't a generic human unit who could just be like Mandalorian, not wearing the armor or like inductee. You know what I mean? There, yeah. They're so close, and yet they just don't quite get there. And it's so frustrating. Like the, the battle forces for AMG, I, I mean, I'm going to say AMG. I don't know if these were pre-developed or whatever, but um, they, they feel really cool because it is, like the Echo Bay stuff is Leia, like the Rebel veterans and all of that. It's all... The, the snow that were there, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but even even with the Blizzard Force one, you've got some speeder bikes in there, I'm sure, and like they have the scout armor on it, and that was so my the second that when I said I sold out the first time because I couldn't do a theme down in the added operatives, I was going to do what is effective with this Blizzard Force because hmm. it announced snow troopers, so I was going to use snow troopers for all my car. Even though having a mix of snow troopers and regular troopers is actually better, I was like, "Fuck it, I don't care." I'm not like winning. Right. I just want it to be themed. And I was going to convert the speeder bikes to have snow trooper helmets on and like that, that clothing and stuff. But the operative thing just made me not want to put that work in. So I'm hoping they come out with which will really drive me back into Legion is a Battle of Scarif style box. Ooh. Oh, so you? I mean, you can, you have but the you can't to do it, but you. Yeah, but and it's that's not, the same thing it's not properly thematic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want him you... to be I want him to be the rebel, you know, riffraff that went to Scarif, you know, with Cassian Andor and Jin and K2SO and yeah. have have them be that leadership group or operatives and and then you have well and you know, Andor being my favorite character and definitely the best show. Although I haven't seen five yet. I gotta watch that. 
Yeah, it's on my it's on my list. I was gonna watch well, it. Well, I, I literally oh, yeah. had no time. I've had no time so badly. I wanted to watch it last night, but I had to go to bed. I watched I it last to, night. I had to work, so I was frustrated for not being able to watch it. So I'll either watch it tonight or tomorrow. But but with that, that's where you know that that's where I'm at with it. Is like like you, Chris, and it's why I like mature games when it comes to minis yeah. games because and, I can play. So so here's the deal with me is that. I can buy Space Marines. I like. I am very human centric when it comes to games. I like Space Marines, although I think I like Astra Militarum better just for the theme of it. You know, for the look. Even more human than the transhumans. Yes, exactly. You know, and then the Sisters of Battle is the third army that I'll have, which will be cool too, but probably played less than the Astra Militarum. But I'm. I always take routes like the way that my brain works. Like when I got into 40k. And then I learned about the magazine that was coming out with the armies and stuff, because, you know, you're getting Tyranids and Space Marines as the mains, then you're getting Astra Militarum, and you're getting the Sororitas stuff. What's interesting to me is that, so I picked, my son is, my son has Thousand Sons for his army, his base army, and then he took Tyranids, and then there's Chaos that comes comes with that and you know you get i also bought into the four extra starter armies that you get with it and stuff but it all fits together so that's how i do things like if i see it, necrons like, too is it necrons part of no, that? it's ne- necrons sorry not tyranids it's necrons that's right. yeah. making sure yeah i get them i get that side confused because i just haven't gotten that far into it but so when i looked at prepping for getting into 40k was once I saw the mag, I knew Space Marines would be first. You know that would be number one, and then when the magazine stuff came out, and I decided I was going to do that, it was definitely going that route with Space Marines and then Militarum. And you know I've bought the, I don't know what you call it. It's it's the I have the Pergatus Mission box for the Sororitas, and then I don't know what I did with the other box, but I have it was like the Christmas box for the Astra Militarum. Ooh. They did. And then um my son well, I mean, like for you getting into 40k, Sean, like a large driver for that was like being able to play with your son, wasn't it? And like yeah. having the the extra time there. Yeah, to hang out and stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, and to have those have those like hobbies type thing, you know. Yeah. And like this is sorry, just kind of like moving us forward a little bit, I suppose. Like okay. I, the, I had another topic I wanted to bring up, actually. Right, so I was going to go move to you, Ed, and say about like the alien RPG compared to Five E. Like Ooh. the you bought into the alien RPG because of like I, love of the setting, love of you, the IP. Like, yeah, like the Five E is the most popular like role playing game ever made. So like, I, if you, if you want to be able to, yeah. Yeah, like if you're gonna be, if you're buying something to play, Alien probably isn't the right choice. But like, probably not. It's definitely more of a niche game. I think so. This probably moves into my second point of the the second thing after you've established the the that there's actually players to play against. Even if, as I think Chris kind of alluded to, um, you need to find another group. Like maybe there's a bigger group a couple of miles down the road at a different game store that actually plays the game that you want to play. It depends on how sociable you are and how into the idea of meeting new people. 
for me, it's never really genuinely bothered me. And it probably that, that probably got beaten out of me of like any like type of those fears by going to like tournaments and events because you go to different game stores you've never played up before, meet new people all the time. Like it got to the point where we were doing store championships every freaking weekend during the high end of my X-Wing days where I was meeting new people every weekend. So you kind of get that worked out and you're like, all right, so the idea of walking into a room of a bunch of people I've never met say, hey guys, I've got all this stuff. Someone show me how to play kind of stuff. If you can get past that, great, fantastic. You're good. The second I mean, side to... Oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to... I'm 100% guilty of... Um, even with X-Wing, um, I disappear for at least half a day when I'm traveling to something like... When I did Nova, I did it. When I did Crate Cup, I did it. When I've done Worlds, I've done it every time. I struggle a lot with being that person and being on and being amiable and sociable and trying to be nice to everyone and me. And part of it is wearing the the dice hate Chris hat rather than just being Chris. Yeah. And I don't get me wrong, the ninety nine point nine percent recurring the same person. If that makes sense. Of course, but, absolutely. And don't get me wrong. Were, were I, there some pressures for me once Nova started getting like in its heyday? Like the fact that we would go to events, Chad and I, and we would get, oh, I know that voice. And Chad would always bring it up in the show. Like legitimately, that was actually kind of surreal for me because it started off as something we were doing for fun and it turned out to be like, we couldn't go to events where we weren't recognized. And then there is that side of that where you want to be anonymous. Well, so I always wanted to be anonymous. I hated going to events that I wasn't running, but I hated going to events when, and, and it's not, it's not a negative to the other people. No, of course not. Absolutely not. It's not there. But, but I've, I've been approached and Hey, will you sign my card? Yep. Who the hell am yep. I to sign a card? You know, I'm just yep. a guy on a podcast. Yeah, you know, and that's where that that's to me where that celebrity side, and I don't want to get into that tonight, but that celebrity side of doing things like this and and having people recognize you either by your voice or picture or video or whatever, that's the side that drives me nuts about this because I like doing it, hanging out with my friends, but I I don't like for me I don't understand that part of all of this, you know. I get, I get like, I get Paul Heaver being a celebrity in X-Wing because of his achievements for three years in a row, you know? He's such an unassuming guy, too. Yeah. But for for me, it then became, I felt like I had to be always on my best behavior. You always have to be. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that I'm the type of player that is like a complete shit when you play against me. Anybody that's ever played against me, please, by all means, if you've ever had a bad experience playing against me, let me know, because I'd love to know. Because I have yet to have that experience of, hey, you were just like a real dick to play against. I've, I, I, so that's not my normal MO to begin with. So when you, when you, when you play, see, I never had that problem. I, I let my, as a player, I let myself be a player, you know? I couldn't do it. I'd be, and, and not that I always went by the, the mantra that it was our show. It wasn't a my show thing, but being the host of that show in its heyday at the height of it was. I felt like I was the face of the show when I would be and when I get recognized oh, no, in public. Get it. And it wasn't something, it was just more along the lines of, I didn't want to detrimentally affect all of the people that were on that show because of my poor behavior. 
So like, even if I was like, again, not like I plan on being a dick, not like I'm like, like I'm like, you know, flipping tables. If I'm not, I've never been that guy. It's not, it's not, I, even like removing the, like the, um, oh, yeah, that, that's the, the, di- the, like, the, the dice of a or what or any of this side of it. Even before that, when I was in the UK and I would go to events, it is an emotionally toxic because, like, sure, hundred percent for me, for me anyway. I don't. I I assume it's the same as you from what you were just saying. It's like I like to think that win or lose, my opponent has a good game. Right. Like I want it to be an enjoyable experience, regardless of all of this, just all of the time anyway. And like that's tiring. Oh, it's yep. very tiring. And like it, that, that having almost like like that compulsive need to be liked and like, oh, I don't mind. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I, if I do do this, I, oh, I've got to offset playing a competitive army by doing. And that's why I like I would go to events and I would run a suboptimal army so that you self sabotage. Yeah, so that I could emotionally try less hard. And I could just concentrate on and I, I, I watched. I stomped kids at worlds. Remember that? I I watched Chris do that firsthand at worlds in both both events too, both in uh, IA and X Wing, where you kind of sabotaged yourself, <laughs> and you would yeah, get I, so mad. And it, it is it's literally that thing, Sean, of like it's better for me to have a shitty game and be fucked off of it than to my opponent to think that I wasn't fun to play like yeah. and yeah there's a large that. that that is definitely problems with me that I need to work out <laughs> <laughs> because like if we both had the same thing you know what I mean yeah and yeah. that's that comes back around to like if you're gonna start playing a new game are you willing to put this amount of work into this new social circle or exposing yourself to these and some people it wouldn't even cross their mind to be a thing but for other people i do feel like it would it's a genuine concern and a genuine not gatekeeping but a genuine barrier to actually starting playing a game like i and i i see it at, at work a lot and like i do my best to make the nights i'm working as open and accepting and like i've worked really hard of like if you want to play a game email me and i will find someone for you to play with or i I will learn the game myself and like we'll we'll go through and we'll we will start playing because that's like a professional job side of it right but yeah like signing up for this legion league was really hard because i could i could play a legion with the people I know and enjoy playing Legion and never bat an eyelid, but but you're committing this... to something that's time. You know, as I get older, the harder thing for me to do with miniature style games, and I'm only talking about those types of games, is committing to something like a league every week where I have to spend time. Where you know my time, like you know, I work a job, I work a professional job. I work very hard in my job. When I get home at the end of the night, I don't really want to sit down and think about my army for next week. You know, that's why getting into 40K and just playing my son and maybe some of his friends is great because 
him and I can sit down and discuss army stuff and he can help me build that. But, but commit like Chris, you know, the, the Legion thing, we have a pretty strong Legion community in Omaha and there's so many times I want to get back into the game, but then I'm like, God, I don't want that commitment. I don't want to, I don't want to commit my time because that's what you're doing is committing your time to that when, and then it's driving, you know, then it's getting in the car, driving to the place, getting all your stuff out, getting set up, playing your game, talking and probably talking about your game and then packing all your stuff up and then going home. Well, I, you know, and, and that so, seems right now for me, seems like just, it seems petty. No, last night was the loud. first time, last night was the first time in a long time that I've driven to the store in an evening, primarily to just play a game. Like once we're done, I clocked in and did a little bit of work kind of thing. But the entire goal of going over to play this game with Tim, I I figured out that now that I've engineered a situation where I don't have to work as many Saturdays anymore, um, that I can play like 40k on a Saturday. But that that kind of feels still like work mm-hmm. in that I set aside Saturday to either I'll be doing painting or I'll be doing something gaming related anyway, so it doesn't really change anything. But like a Wednesday evening, if I'm if it's a week off from playing Arkham, because generally the week that we're not recording, I play Arkham on the Wednesday. So I got like, I set aside one evening a week for either this or Arkham. But like taking that time was was a very novel feel. And like if it hadn't have been like trying to make the time to play with Tim, I don't know if I would have. Like if it was just a random week game, then it's it's different. It's harder, you know. Like, but, so, yeah, I don't know. To get to, to get on to the, the 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 other part that I wanted to touch on was of course the research. Um yeah. you have a lot of research tools available to you. I highly, highly recommend if you are finding that group that is going to be playing, there's gonna be a bunch of people that can help teach you how to play a game, which is super important um to being able to be to know what stuff you want to buy. So to kind of leading into I know we keep defaulting back to 40k or defaulting back to X-Wing or defaulting because of obviously the, the audience that we have and the, the games that we play. I'm going to expose a, a, a dark secret from my past. I promised this in the warm-up part of the show. So I've always officially stated that I've primarily played two games in the last 12 years that have been my quote-unquote primary game. Did a lot, a lot of time when I was playing 40k back when I was writing for Bell of Lost Souls and reviewing podcasts for it. And right around 6th edition, when it started getting with all this formation crap, it started getting unbalanced, was looking for a new game, and I eventually fell into and found um, X-Wing and then committed to it for a lot. But there is a dark period in between those two games. Oh, it's going to be War Machine and Hard's going to have to stop It is! It is! You're going to have to stop being friends. Oh, no! It is! I couldn't help. That's what everybody was playing at the store. So, and it's interesting from that perspective from that game, because that was legitimately a game I knew jack shit about. I knew that it was a game. I knew that it was a competitive game. I've seen other people play it. I knew nothing about the lore, nothing about the models, like nothing, nothing at all. But that's what everybody was playing. So I'm like, all right, well, if everyone else is playing it, maybe I should give it a shot and see what it's like. And what I did when I was, it was completely cold going into the game, not knowing much more than it was a tabletop miniatures game. What did I do? Talk to my friends that actually played it, got an idea. This is what the game is like. This is how it kind of works. Um, and start looking at the models. Like I genuinely, truly believe that the rule of cool is always going to be, unless you're 
on the hyper end of competitive play and you have to have to have to always play the strongest office armies put that aside when you're learning a game because it's not how you're going to learn you're going to learn on a learner army and be able to at least teach you the rules of the game go with the rule of cool whatever looks cool to you because you're going to be the one painting the models up you're going to be the one bringing them to the table you need to at least be able to find a way to attach yourself to it so that having been said it's not necessarily a bad idea Again, going back to that th that theory of getting more bang for your hobby buck, you would probably want to rather buy miniatures that are going to be ones you're fielding more often, as opposed to, ooh, these ones are good, I should probably get these, and while that one looks cool, I should probably spend my $25, $30 over here on a unit that I'm actually going to use, as opposed to one I just think is cool. At least to the beginning. Once you get, you know, head over heels for a game, go and go hog wild, buy whatever you want to buy. Um, but at least from the beginning as you're learning, because the added benefit to doing that, aside from the fact that maybe you'll win a handful of games, because it always, nobody likes going into a game and losing a game all the time, because that's genuinely the easy way to get people out of a game really, really quick. I play this game all the time and I lose. If in the event that you do decide that you want to walk away from a game and pick up something else, if you have most of the quote unquote good units on the in a army or in a force or whatever it is, it's going to be much, much easier to unload that onto someone who's willing to pay for them to help recoup some of those funds as well. So do a little bit of research, learn how to play the game from your friends. YouTube's a gigantic, gigantic resource for how to learn how to play games. You will find thousands of videos, maybe not always the best advice, but you will find thousands of videos of what gameplay looks like, how it's supposed to be played. The little things that you're missing in your game, start developing some of those game habits, even just by watching games played online. I'm hugely guilty of watching games online all the time. Um, that's how I legitimately learned how to play X-Wing, aside from when it was way back in the day when it was just Chad, myself, and our two sons playing X-Wing at the store, trying, begging people to rope them into games. I was watching, like, replays of tournaments, like, from Doug, uh, way back whenever... Um, Paul Heaver had played against Dallas Parker in his first one. I've mentioned this a thousand times before. That Team Covenant game, I probably watched that Dallas Parker game probably 50 times. But just because it, yeah. it was a really good tool to learn how to play the game as well. I, so, it's kind of, go on, Sean, you go. Well, just real quick, I just want to... So I, too, got into a little Warm of Hordes. Time, <gasps> time we frame. all have a dark secret in our closet. <laughs> well, this one really isn't. This was kind of the first one... This was the first one I tried as a miniatures game, you know, back when I jumped back into gaming and stuff, where I played the the Menoth, you know, the Protectorate of Menoth. And the I nice thing about... I couldn't even tell you. Let me I'll look it they're up. The white, they're the white priesty ones. Yeah, yeah, they're the healers, you know, yeah, they're, they're the good guys, you know. Um, but for me, the thing that drew me into the game was the fact that they had starter boxes that you got like five minis. And you really only yeah. need like six or seven to play. Yeah, and they do it right, in my opinion. That's how yeah. you should start an army. What got me out of the game was, is I didn't want to paint my you, you minis. You played it with people? Well, that too. But I didn't want to paint my minis to be white minis with red. I thought that was stupid. I wanted mine to be white with blue. Because I think blue's a cooler color. That's just my personal choice. And I'd bring the army to the table and someone would criticize me right away. That's yep. not the right color. That's not I the found, color. I found the same problem. I found the army I was playing. I was playing Cricks at the time. And they looked a lot like Necrons and my Necrons were done in blue. So I did them in blue. And I got told the same thing. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you can't just paint them any color you want. Like, no, you can't. 
Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, they're they're my army. Why the hell can't I? And, you know, that was the thing was my introduction to it was, A, I watch people play, talk to people about the game, didn't mind, you know, all the templates and the way the game played and movement. Now, that was like my first after Warhammer, you know, fantasy back in the early 2000s. This is my first getting a tape measure out, moving crap around. And the thing that this turned me off. This my first activation based game that I ever played. Yeah. But the thing that turned me off is, as Chris said, is I had to play other people. And, you know, those people, A, they played to win. They didn't knew you how read to the rule book, man? It tells you if you don't have a purge, just fuck off. We don't want you. Yeah. You Write know, the rule book, actually. Legitimately, rule one. You know, and, and it was a game that I really enjoyed playing on the tabletop. I just didn't enjoy playing against other people because they would be out there. They would take, you know, instead of teaching you because I was new, instead of teaching you how to play the game, they would just wipe you off the board and then tell you what you did wrong, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's not Th- how you teach Those are bad teachers. I, I, like, I, I hold a firm belief that if I am teaching someone how to play a game, I am losing that game. I'm probably losing the first three games because that's not how you hook new players into a game. Like, hey, right. look how much fun this game is. Let me punch you in the face. No, yeah. they're, like they're, they're going to walk away going, all right, game sucked. I didn't have any fun at all playing that game. No, no, no. You have to lose those games. Have to. Yeah. Required. But, you know, I when I was learning Star Wars, the card game, the guy that I was playing against, he had decks built, and he hands me a deck. Oh, this is a deck you'll like. So I play it, and what does he do? He plays the deck that is designed to beat that deck. Some assholes <laughs> learn how to play games. Yeah, I mean, well, these are you know hyper competitive people, and you're I, I'm only teasing. I'm sure they're when, fine a, when I when I got into magic. So you know, I got into magic you know way later on, and I got into it because my son had liked it. And the cool thing about that was we met the right people when it came to magic. You know, where they taught us. You know, because we didn't know, we didn't have a clue what what uh you know a core set was and what a you know what the other sets were you know we we came in right at the end of the alara block into the zendikar block and that's a good block to get into yeah no kidding very valuable block but now 100 percent, yeah yeah and you know so we got in at that time we still didn't know everything about the game and but the one guy was teaching one guy gave my son a bunch of cards that would help his deck. And, you know, where the Dick community, the community that you always hear of are just total assholes. were the best community up until X-Wing, of course. But, you know, my experiences were so bad both ways and, you know, or were bad one way, good another way. And it was just, you know, I, I really think, you know, you have to get lucky too with games in a way with the, people that you start playing yeah i you know, agree that, that's why that's why my view view of starting up x-wing in omaha was i want to make this the best play experience for everybody somebody shows up they're gonna play i'm gonna make sure i have enough stuff for them to put down what they want and and you know had a great time you know great people great community you know up until towards the end of you know my time with it and it, it everything was very good about x-wing so I'm just I saying, have, I learned I learned from well, the best. That's what I'm just saying, yeah. Sean. I do have one other format of um, picking up a new game that I wanted to go over that's kind of pertinent a little bit from my... Um, but it's a little bit different to what we've already spoken about. 
and that this is something that works really well for the, um, the more historical style games or um the more niche games one thing that you'll always struggle to do is like oh do you want to play this game with me it's just going to cost you 500 dollars. yeah so uh sometimes it's better and I, again i use this a lot when i'm talking to people about historical games but if you want to get someone to play like recreate the hot gates and the bottom of Thermopylae with you don't you go out and buy a 2000 point spartan army and then wait for someone to cut, turn up who's got a 2000 points but persian army like you get a thousand points of spartans and a thousand points of persians and then you say to someone oh, do you want to come over to my place and play this game yeah sometimes you've got to be that guy that's got both sides of it a lot of the time for those kind of niche games and especially if you if you have that kind of friend group oh, did we lose ed uh he's back if you've got that kind of um, friend group that lets you uh, like play different games, like I know myself and Bill did this um, a while ago, but we we made a list of four games each that we wanted to play in a year, and like we I think we put like five maybe it was five games and we had like vetoes or something, and like we went through it's like well we we got, we want to play Ark and we're already playing that so that will stay on the list. And like we went through and just added a couple of those niche kind of games. And sometimes it was like, oh, well, um, I don't have that. So we'll just play with your stuff. And having that kind of flexibility that if I want Ed to play, to do a podcast about X Wing, I have to be willing to me doing a podcast about 40K or else it's just, you know, it's got to be give and take in these friendships, you know? Oh, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Has anyone got anything else on this topic of like trying to start a new game and the, the pitfalls and barriers? Yes. And yeah, yeah, the biggest yeah. thing is money. When it comes down to it, I think a lot of it is money. Yep. You know, having having being single, having your own kids, and having adult money makes it easier for me to buy into games than it did, we'll say, ten years ago. You know, and I also see a lot of people who buy into games and can barely buy into games you know they want to play the game but they barely can buy into the game you know they might get one or two three you know like the bare minimum to play and then that's all that they have and i think that's that's one of the biggest barriers to entry is price today cost you know in games any um, hobby and i think i've always been there any hobby if you want to get into golf you want to get into skiing you want to get into rollerblading you want any hobby is going to have an inherent cost so you kind of need to go into the go into that expecting that yeah. that's why, that's why my major suggestion throughout the whole thing is trying to get more bang for your buck make sure that the money that you are spending and we hadn't even touched on like buying stuff used as as opposed to mm -hmm. buying it new i know that you're on a scheme store i'm sorry chris i'm sorry for saying it out loud no it's, it's nothing <laughs> nothing to do with anything like that like some game uh, stores it, have it, use more, sections it's there more are. to do with like um because uh, that's obviously very specific to playing miniatures games kind of thing. Sure, sure. Yes. But like, going into it, like, if you want to get into magic, you don't have to go and buy a $1,000 standard deck. No. Nope. You, you could play draft. If you nope. want to play... Slowly but surely you, build up your collection. Absolutely. No, but not, like, you, not even. Like, you, you could literally play draft and throw the cards away at the end of the week. Correct. Like, that is true because, like, it's yeah. The, yeah, if you have eight people, yeah. 
I'm not Sa- a safety tip. If you are a draft magic player, stay around to the end of the draft because there are plenty of people that do exactly what Chris is saying. They're going to take all the commons and uncommons that they don't need. They'll put them at the end of the table and they'll leave them there for anybody to pick up. If you're looking yeah. to build up a quick, fast collection of cards of having stuff, that's a really easy way to do it. Make sure well, it's okay um, with everyone, but yeah, absolutely. And like, like Ed said about, um, we had this conversation a week or so ago about like, I played my first 50 point game and it's like, to him, that's worth 40k feels like 40k. Like, it, like when I played 25 points with a great unclean one, it felt very strange. Yeah, it wasn't like the game was very much skewed towards what this giant model does because it isn't balanced around that point level. But me and Bill have played enough games together that instantly I was like, okay, well, if I change the list into this, this, and this, we still like the next game we played was um, still. A twenty-five point game. That was the one where I I posted to chat and Sean was like, a bunch of those words didn't make any sense, but it seems like a cool story. It's <laughs> like it, I, the game ended in a draw after Bill wiped out my entire army because um, my demonic bagpiper had managed to um, to turn off his ability to claim objectives for for his last turn, so he couldn't claim the objective. So it was a draw, but like. That was a 25-point game that went the distance. It was back and forth. Like He wiped me out to a man. I struggled to kill his big dreadnought. And, you know, like it, playing smaller games is fine. You just have to be willing to like self, uh, self-balance, if, it, if that makes any sense. Because inherently, every unit isn't going to be perfectly balanced at a point level that the game isn't designed to be balanced around. So that just involves some work from you. And sometimes and... it comes down to like, if this unit's too strong, if that model's too strong, there's a gentleman's agreement between you and your opponent. Okay, don't run that. I won't run this. And maybe we'll have a little bit more fun kind of thing. Like there's those kinds of things too. Yeah. And there was a discussion in the crate discord um, about, it's, all, it's just a throwaway comment about Necromunda. And like, I'm a, I really like Necromunda. But one of its weak, I think it was talking about the rules for Necromunda, but like you can't just pick up Necromunda and play it. It's to me, it's more like establishing a role playing group in that, like, I think it's the same way too. Yeah, you have that session zero and you talk about like what you want to get from the game and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's different ways of playing games that should, like, don't let the, uh, the fact that you feel like Warhammer's played at 2,000 points or Magic's played at standard, um, you know, all of those things, don't let them put you off starting. If you've got a couple of friends who are willing to try it, or like Sean just being able to play whatever size games with his son, like, that's fine. Yeah. Yep. Like, the, the X-Wing equivalent of buying the car set and having fun with your kids playing the car set forever. That's right. all right. If you're having fun doing game, that, you're not table, playing X-Wing wrong. Played plenty of games in the dining room table that way. All right. Uh, I, I have no idea why this, I don't know if I'm having internet connection issues or if Discord just keeps crashing. That's why my camera keeps turning off because quite literally, yeah. Discord. Yeah, you're getting paid from a call. Okay. Yeah. Cry, it, Discord will crash and then pick right back up. I have no idea why that is, why that's you happening. Got, you got to get off dial up, Ed. You gotta, you I know, right? Least, you got to go to at least DSL. But oh I'm, come on! I, it, but AOL, like it says, I got mail when I open up the internet. It's so cute. It makes me feel hey, happy. 
Hey, I still use AOL as my mail source, so don't don't knock it. <laughs> I think I did know that too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I think that's kind of most of everything that I kind of wanted to touch on. It, like I said, it was a bit of a a broad, random topic, but I think it was worth talking about. But yeah, there's a lot of barriers to starting a new game that aren't just price and like building models or like painting models. There's a lot of things to think about, but. Generally, I think that I think that it's worth the effort. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's, I mean, if you're listening to this, you should already know this, but you know, it it's a fun hobby to have. Oh yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Hundred percent agree. That means next week's my show, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, I think so. Well, I'll give everyone a spoiler because I do want to give you two some time to think about it. So the main topic that I'm bringing to the table for next episode is what do you look for in a tabletop role play what do you what, when, have a lot to say about that when you're looking to get into or start playing a new tabletop role-playing game what specifically are you looking for and i'll, I'll leave it at that i'll leave, i'll let that float in the air and i'll let you guys kind of simmer on that for the next two weeks and we'll, we'll dive into that next week okay well i suppose that kind of brings us to a close so uh Thanks for hopping on, Sean. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, good talking to you guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ed. Hope you had a good time. I absolutely. Always is a good time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, most importantly, you know, thanks to the listeners. Uh, always uh, enjoyable when I see that people actually listened or I get feedback from the different episodes and comments and stuff like that. It's always cool. Um, but yeah, make sure you check out uh, the discord that's the main place to uh, chat with us and talk about things you can uh, go to a website i keep getting emails that was like decent traffic to a website any feedback you have from that any features that are missing let me know it's kind of the next stage will be adding a store so i i should have some um some stuff arriving i've got uh, a laser cutter might be upstairs waiting for me it was supposed to be delivered today Merch. I, I don't know um but yeah so kind of i've got plans to do um things for 40k i yeah, do like victory point trackers and things heck yeah it's i've got fun. some ideas on that if you want to do those yeah um but yeah generally i think everything's going pretty well like i'm a little bit terrified because i have to kind of take this a little bit more seriously now and trying to balance doing this with being the primary breadwinner now that Joe's on maternity leave is um terrifying but we'll get there you know it's all good uh, a special thank you to the patrons they keep getting like, a new notification every week or so of, like people um migrating away from the, the lack of focus one over to dice eight so that's that's been uh really good thank you everyone who's done that and um yeah that's it I suppose Thanks for listening to a Lack of Focus podcast brought to you by Dice Productions.